Revealing Voices is a mental health podcast that is faith-based, peer-led, story-driven, and stigma-breaking. Host Tony Roberts and guest host with lived experience take you on a journey of revealing voices, working for justice, crying out for healing, speaking the truth in love, and expressing beauty in art. I'm Kevin Early Bird Early, technical producer and sound mixer, and I want to welcome you to Revealing Voices. Good evening, my dear wife, Jennifer Ann Riddle. How are you? I'm great. How are you, dear? Doing well. We are here tonight to, to read our letters to each other that were published in Tony Roberts' book, Hope for Troubled Minds. That's great. I kind of did a double take when it came out and saw our names there. I'm like, oh, we're both, we're both in this book. Kind of cool. So, Did you forget that I also wrote a letter? No. <laughs> I said we. <laughs> you thought we isn't like Tony and me? Or, or, or you thought you remembered that you wrote a letter, but maybe that mine wasn't in there? I don't know. It was What you said was confusing. It's fine. We might remove this part. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we laugh at one another all the time. So Tony's book's been out for about six months now, and we hope this to be the first of a, a number of uh, podcast releases where people read what they wrote in, in Hope for Troubled Minds. So I'm going to kick it off. I'll, I'll read mine. Jen will read hers, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it. Sounds great. And I'll stare deeply into your eyes when I'm not reading what I wrote because I don't remember. You don't have it memorized? I, I don't. Oh, man. It's okay. Dear Jen, it's not very often that I write a love letter to you while acknowledging that it may be published one day. So in light of that reality, I endeavor to write an intimate letter to you that gives other potential readers a window into the role of my mental health diagnosis in our relationship. I will never forget that when we met, one of the first things that you said to me was that you studied behavioral psychology. As you know, I was dating someone else at the time, so our conversations were with only platonic intent. However, looking back, I can confidently say you had me at behavioral psychology. No matter how well I am feeling or for how long I have been symptom-free, I live with a history of hours of talk therapy, four hospitalizations, daily medicine for over half of my life, and memories of many moments merged with a mood disorder. You have only known me as someone with a diagnosis, and yet you completely embrace all of me. Thankfully, for over 10 years since we married, my mental health has been strong. The last nine years since my last hospitalization have been the most stable years of adulthood. I know that our relationship is the most important protective factor in maintaining balance. Thank you. Your practical nature, linear mental processing, compassionate character, and discerning disposition have all helped steady me when I am edging towards overwrought negative self-talk or unrealistic energetic ideation. When I'm getting lost in complex thoughts or emotions, you help guide me out with well-grounded advice. 
You fulfilled my prayer that began after my divorce to find a woman who loved Jesus, loved children, and had an incredibly joyful smile. Seeing you at church with the kids on Sunday mornings, smiling as they gather to hear you share your love for Christ reminds me of how blessed I am to have married you. You do not dumb down your theological inspirations for the children, but rather challenge them and share your own stories of the mysteries of faith. In doing so, you also help me seek to strengthen my own faith and find peace during troubling times. After getting back from our wonderful 10th anniversary trip a few months ago, I've been going through one of the most difficult emotional periods since we married. While we both realize that much of the distress is focused on my work situation, the self-doubt and anxiety that have been dredged up during this time hold space in our relationship. I admit of being afraid that I will sink into a long-term depression like I've experienced in the past. I'm thankful that we've been able to talk through these feelings rather than ignore the fact that they are bubbling up. The fear of uncontrollable emotional gloom is no stranger to me. However, it occurs to me that we can welcome those feelings into our household for a time. Rather than shutting the door and trying to force them away, we can allow those feelings to sit with us and we can learn from them. I think that with that sense of fearless hospitality, we can open our hearts to the presence of pain and have faith that even those feelings can become a sort of friend. Probably not the kind we want to invite to every festivity, but one that challenges us with the wisdom of pathos. I'm confident that these times serve as a means of life calibration, developing stronger faith and experiencing unexpected growth. With you by my side, it has before, and it will again. Today, I revisited the Revealing Voices podcast question, what does healing mean to you? I remembered that my recorded response was about being restored to community. Much of my personal healing happened when you encouraged people from our church to visit me at the hospital back in 2013. With mental health stays, most families' reactions are to keep it a secret. In our first real encounter with my mental illness as a married couple, you sought to understand the situation and trusted your instinct to invite people to join me. Thank you for nudging me towards sharing my struggles with mental illness. In doing so, it has been one of the most healing aspects of my recovery. I can point to that time as my first conscious, dedicated work toward restoration in the community. I'm honored that you chose me to be your husband. When I think about the fact that you knew I had a diagnosis before we met, it astounds me that you leaned into our relationship and continued to pursue me even when I stepped away. I'm dedicated to being the healthiest that I can be, knowing that focusing on our relationship is always at the heart of restoration. Sometimes you accept me before I can accept myself, and because of that, it has helped me gain confidence regardless of how I feel. I'm thankful that I chose you to be my wife. I've always thought there is something about the behavioral psychologist background in you that marvels at my random thoughts, unexpected passions, creative impulses, and occasional vibrant energy. Perhaps these are some of the benefits of bipolar disorder. Thank you for riding the ups and downs, and when the ride gets a little wild, holding on to me and having fun amidst the turbulence. 
with my idiosyncrasies, some intentional and others seemingly at the whim of my emotions, I'm glad that I can make you happy with that joyful smile of yours. You may never quite figure me out, but I know you'll always bring your care, wisdom, and curiosity to strengthen our relationship. It is with an abundance of gratitude that I share this life journey with you and know that unconditional love will overcome all, including a mental health condition. Sincerely, Eric Riddle. I love you, babe. I love you, too. Even though I've read that letter several times, um, both before the book was published and after, still get a tear in my eye. Thanks. I love you, yeah. So this is my love letter to Eric. Eric, when we met, I had the advantage of knowing about your diagnosis and some of the challenges it caused you. Because your sister was my roommate, I had the privilege of praying you through some difficult times before I even met you. That gave me insight I never expected I was going to need in the future. When we started dating two years later, we never had to have the awkward conversation where you shared your diagnosis. When is a good time to do that, really? But I walked into our relationship with a disadvantage that had nothing to do with you at all, my own hubris. I believed that your bipolar disorder would never be a challenge we couldn't overcome because I knew so much. As a psychology major in undergrad and grad school, as well as being a board-certified behavior analyst, I knew a lot. Because of all that knowledge, I thought I knew how to deal with anything that bipolar could throw our way. And if I didn't know, I had the right resources to figure it out. I was wrong. We had a lot of ups and downs in our dating life. You were my first serious relationship and I had pretty big expectations. I knew I loved you early on and I carried a lot of pent up ideals about what one's path to the altar looked like. In the midst of all of that, you were dealing with a number of emotional challenges from your first marriage, as well as trying to find your way in your occupational life. We were engaged when you were in a depression, but it was, it was such a thoughtful and memorable evening that really symbolized so much in our relationship. Our faith, the bittersweet nature of change and growth, as well as our love of connection over a great meal were all celebrated that night, but you weren't 100% you. The depression held part of you locked inside, and that was so hard to watch. There were many times that you expressed a lack of confidence in yourself, but I was so glad that I could see the real you, the compassionate, intelligent man who deeply cared for others. More than anything, this is what I wanted you to see in yourself, that you were valuable no matter what. Less than six months after our wedding, your depression grew very deep. And there were many times I was able to provide additional therapeutic help that got you through the day, but other days I was not. Things got worse when your sleep was consistently disrupted. I still thought I could help you manage what was happening, 
but felt increasingly unsure of our decisions regarding your mental health. It took some pivotal conversations with your parents, your mom in particular, to clarify that we needed to seek inpatient care. That decision was a turning point in both our lives. Your short stay in the hospital helped you find a medication cocktail that supports you well and forced open doors for you to talk about your diagnosis. I learned that my knowledge has limits and helping to support your mental health takes a village. I could not support you alone. We've walked through a lot in our nearly 11 years of marriage. The joy of road trips, random dance parties that you reluctantly join, hundreds of hours of cheering for various sports teams, travel adventures that have taken us to fantastic locales, laughter about really silly things that can go on and on, and amazing concerts in unexpected places. This is not the end of our story. There are many more adventures to come, and I'm sure not all of them will seem lovely or good at the time. But one day, when we step back to look at our lives together, we will see that God has pieced together a beautiful mosaic from everything we thought were broken pieces. Love always, Jen. Thank you, Jen. Of course I cried at my own letter. (laughs) (laughs) That happens almost every time I preach, so it's not surprising that it happened when I read my letter to you. You I I wrote that in 2022, end of 22, and I referred to a job situation which... um, eventually led to me switching careers. Um, And now I've been at uh, Faith in Place for about a year, and it's it's been a really good transition, you know, but I think part of bipolar for me is there's just things that are natural stresses that anyone must deal with as part of being human, and I think when you have a mood disorder, it just tends to be a little bit stronger and mm. kind of clouds thinking. It's it's hard to file things away, or they uh, they can think about something over here and forget about this over there, that sort of thing. You're pretty good at that. What do you call that? Compartmentalizing. Compartmentalizing. <laughs> yes. I think with a mood disorder, there is very little compartmentalizing. <laughs> It's like all here, all right now kind of thing. You got boxes for all the things, and you just put it in a box over there. I don't have a box. <laughs> There's just one big box, or is it like a more like a trash bag where it all jumbles up together? The emotions are a transcendent above the compartments. Mm. Yes. Or they're pervasive. They're everywhere. Yes. Yeah, Jen and I like, have very different ways of navigating the world i think mentally and it's a very good thing like the linear i wrote some about linear thinking that's very Mm -hmm. very helpful for me because i think that's another part of my thought process they can often be circular it gets into rumination type Mm -hmm. 
thinking. And I'm the person who's going to intervene and tell you, hey, this problem looks really big. Let's break it down in smaller pieces and we'll attack it piece by piece. Yeah. You got common sense. True. It was interesting for me to, to go back and when I was first approaching this question where Tony had placed it before us to write love letters, I put it off. You were on my case <laughs> about writing this letter. And I think the reason why I put it off is I, like, I didn't know how to express myself. And, but what I've learned um, from preaching and listening to, to like really high quality effective preachers storytelling is is the road in mm -hmm. and so i thought the most important thing to do was to tell our story from my perspective yeah and so like in trying to do it in a way that was condensed <laughs> it wouldn't be like so much information that people you'd lose people it was wild to kind of sit back in that place again and like walk through some of those really difficult moments again mm -hmm. because you know part of that compartmentalization stuff that I do is like there's not a lot of dwelling on the past right. um, and that can be problematic because you're not really reflecting or working through emotion that's elicited from times and mm -hmm. you know that can come back to bite you um, when you least expect it later on. And so I think it was really healthy for me to like think about the day that we were at the hospital with you and, mm -hmm. you know, just the number of hours that we were there and the therapist and I were trying to convince you <laughs> to like accept that you needed inpatient care. So we didn't have to go to the extra level of like having to get like a court order for you to be there. Mm. And just remembering how not yourself you were, like how so unsure you were where you, you would just sit and you kind of like be shaking your head and you just didn't know the right thing to say and right and like when you finally committed to being committed and it was only like what four days i mean it wasn't that long right that was a really big thing because it was admitting that you needed help but not knowing what that help would look like or what you were consenting to in a lot of ways yes and it, i mean it wasn't my first time in the hospital each time you go back, it's like you're starting at square one. Like, did I learn anything? Why am I back here? You know, those kind of things go through your head. So in committing that time, that fourth time in the hospital, it's very humbling. And you want to learn and, and make it a new experience and not just it happened again, right? And the thing we both mentioned in the letters was that hospital experience and really the turning point was inviting people from the living room, our church, to visit me. Mm -hmm. That had never happened before. You know, I, I was always just kind of quietly going in and coming out and not really sharing that with anybody, right? And as we know, that's very common for hospitalizations with mental health issues. You don't tell anybody. That's more often the case than not, but you did. And I, I do believe that 
was the difference and, and you know why I've been so stable because that just opened up a whole new way of approaching my mental health where I would include people and it, it opened up being transparent with people and being honest about my struggles in a way that helped me connect with so many more people and and help me journey with others who are dealing with it and, and be able to form community right and, and that's been a really radical shift over the last decade to the point now where I mean I, I mentioned I have a new job right and within the first six months I was very transparent in um, a meeting at an appropriate time to, to share my my diagnosis that's a uh, very different. I want to go back a little bit to talking about the time when I invited folks to visit you at the uh, hospital. I don't remember even hesitating to invite people to come visit you. And I think part of it was, you know, it's just my history of working with kids with developmental disabilities and autism, like who have dual diagnoses, like being around, um, mm -hmm. you know, folks that have neurological differences, like understanding that a hospitalization requires care and it doesn't matter what kind of hospitalization it is. And so like, I also didn't really think about, oh, what is Eric going to think about this? <laughs> Which probably, you know, what was it my most shining moment? It was just more like community come and join us. It probably was several of those people's first time ever being in a, inside of a facility that is caring for people with mental illness. Right. Um, and, I, and I give them kudos for stepping out and doing that, maybe despite their fear or unknowing. I think that was huge. Yeah. And so just like, you know, when you've got family members in the hospital and need care, like, Bring the casseroles when people have family members in the hospital for, you know, a mental challenge. Like, you're doing the same kind of things, the visiting, getting your schedule all thrown off, like, all of it. Like, go yeah. and visit your people. <laughs> and, and the last thing I want to say related to that was in coming out of the hospital, it was very soon after that when... Tony Roberts was in the Republic because he was getting ready to publish his first book and you were like, you ought to reach out to Tony. And I did. And I shared with him my experience at the hospital mm -hmm. and I just talked to him about how therapeutic I thought the, the group therapy sessions are that are a you know, very common part of inpatient stays at a hospital how I missed that, that I got a lot from that. And I also mentioned that, you know, faith is not really commonly discussed mm -hmm. as far as treatment when you're dealing with mental health. Really, those ideas are what really formed our, our prayer life together and the formation of Faithful Friends that, that led to, you know, the start of this podcast. But all that was possible because I was willing to share, right? Right. That I was seeking community <clears throat> that was inclusive of my identity as a person with a mental health diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So, 
Thank you for um, helping encourage my relationship with Tony Roberts. It's been a pretty awesome one. Now we're in a book. And now we're in a book. Hope for Troubled Minds is a trove of tributes collected to celebrate the lives, legacy, and strength of those who lead brave lives in the face of brain disorders and mental illness. These are testimonies and shout outs to the ones who we love who have supported us or those who we have supported through some of the most testing lifelong trials that come with having these kinds of health conditions. Throughout this anthology, you will hear from parents, children, spouses, siblings, and friends who have been inspired to share their hope for a fulfilling life in spite of their ailments. Each tribute has been a carefully prepared gift waiting to be held in your hands to send a message of resilience in the midst of suffering and hope in the midst of hardship. Most of all, these stories thematically resound the truth that we are here for one another and never alone. All proceeds from the sales of this book will be evenly distributed to three vital mental health causes. The National Alliance on Mental Illness, also known as NAMI, the Treatment Advocacy Center, also known as TAC, and Delight in Disorder Ministries. For more information and to find the order link, go to delightindisorder.org.